Hi everyone, welcome to the Beyond Deadlines podcast, where we tackle challenges that schedule leaders come across on a day-to-day basis. My name is Greg Lawton, and I'm the CEO of an AI schedule management company called Nods and Links. And I'm Micah Pipo, a schedule manager for Intel. Each podcast is designed to give you frameworks, tactics, and strategies that you can implement right away. Today's challenge is baseline management strategies. So, Micah, a challenging question for you. Imagine you're the head of scheduling for a contractor who's been challenged to build a $5 billion data center, and you've been asked by the client to establish a schedule baseline. How would you go about doing this? That's a a great question, which I think at any point in your career, you're going to find yourself in at some point in time. I think I'd probably start out with asking, where are we at in the construction process? Is this the very beginning? Is this somewhere in the midpoint? Why would you ask that? Well, I think it just depends on if you're at the very, very beginning, you're going to have more optionality because a contractor is not going to be selected, a design team isn't going to be selected. Um, And so you'll be able to just basically create whatever you want. If you're in the middle Mm -hmm. of a project, you're a bit constrained as what's historically going on. And so you might not be able to come in and blow it up and say, hey, we're going to completely change everything you're doing. Got it. What else would you think about? I think the other thing I would think about would be, you know, what are the goals of the program? So Mm -hmm. what are we trying to achieve? If you look at data centers, most data center programs, at least the hyperscalers, are trying to go faster, trying to be more predictable, and trying to lower their costs. So when you look at those three objectives, you know, how are you going to create a baseline that fits into that? And then when you look at who are the parties involved, so who are the contractors and subcontractors you're working with, what sorts of skill sets do they have? You know, I'm constantly thinking about this is a, this is almost your, your, your coach or a football team, and you're trying to go out there and help your team win. You don't want to give them a playbook that they can't execute to. Okay. Let's, uh, let's imagine that this data center project is uh, past the concept stage, but it is pre-shovels hit the ground, so it's pre-build. And let's imagine that the subcontractor is a world-leading expert at the execution of building data centers. How would you go about establishing a schedule baseline in that environment? Yeah, I mean, fortunate for me that they're they're the expert. And so I I think this sometimes gets lost on the owner's side where you are hiring an expert to come in and deliver for you. Um, You know, I've worked for years and years on the owner's side, and sometimes people get this attitude that we know how to do it best. And so if they are the expert, I would love to lead a collaborative approach over several weeks. So I think I would kick things off with something very simple. As I mentioned earlier, here are the goals of our program. Contractor, you know, why don't you help guide the process of how we're going to create this, this baseline? And what you first start out with is what's the contractual guidelines? Well, you know, what is the goal of this or the aim? If that hasn't been created. It's fairly easy to do to sit down in the dock. There's plenty of examples online and go out and create what is contractually required for a baseline. And then from there, 
can probably just have a kickoff workshop where you meet each other, talk about what sorts of things you want to include, not milestones, activities, logic, leads, lags, you know, you can go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And then from there, set up a plan of, Hey, in three or four weeks, these are the sorts of steps that we're going to go achieve to then go hit that baseline at the very end. And at the very end of it, don't forget the baseline is a document that needs to be referenced again. And you're going to go off it and there's going to be changes and all sorts of things. So how are you going to perform that change management after you execute that baseline? So you said a number of things there that I think are very interesting. One is about the contractual guidelines of what the baseline is there to do. And in my experience, those contractual guidelines, well, either a schedule baseline is, is to actually set in stone what is going to be contractually done. It's more of a strategic narrative about the intent and a reflection of the goals. If we're in an earlier phase of development and concept, it's more an indicative schedule. Or if we're in a later phase, if we're in execution, it's actually a tactical plan of how, how it's going to be done. Um, in this situation where shovels haven't hit the ground yet, but we're past concept, we're probably looking to do uh, the first run detailed design to set a baseline. How, what kind of contractual uh, requirements do you think would be appropriate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, well, first you want to establish your, your structure. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the easiest in, in place to start and makes more sense. So when I say structure, I mean, what's your standard WBS milestones, you know, activity durations over 20 days, under 20 days, you know, building from the base up. Those are your kind of your foundations of here's how the structural schedule is going to look. You want to consider your integrations. So whether you're running a, a report across your program and you need certain codes in it, or you're connecting to a commissioning system or a downstream turnup system, <clears throat> you know, you all, we want to consider all of those. And then as you start to go up from there, it would be things, you know, like, okay, if they create this schedule, how are you going to go verify the durations of it? So for me, I'm a big fan of providing some sort of productivity or quantity measurement to say, listen, this is where it's at. Now, as you mentioned earlier, depending where the design's at, you know, if if you're getting close to doing your detailed design, you're probably not going to have a lot of that information readily available. So just be sure Mm -hmm. as you walk through the creation piece of it, you don't ask for something that is actually impossible to deliver. Um, but you can ask for approximations. Data centers are a very uh, commoditized building, I would say, at this point. They're boxes, and they're all made of steel and concrete. And so you should get rough approximations from there. Then as you start going up higher and higher, it's building construction execution. So what is the tactical path that the construction team is going to take? Are they going north to south, east to west? How many cranes are they going to use? Um, I think that's where you can start looking at what's that, again, that backup information that needs to be represented in the schedule. And then I think at the highest level, then you're going on, you know, your, your primary, secondary, tertiary critical paths. You're looking at what are their sub-scheduling systems. So a boots-on-the-ground team isn't going to use a P6 schedule. You know, they're going to drift more towards something that's last planning. So making sure that that's in place. So when they go to start foundations and steel, the stuff isn't thought of at the, you know, the, the very last minute. 
you know, you're also then probably going to want to look at how do you layer in some risk management and things like that. I mean, again, the world is your oyster. These documents are, you know, can blow out to be hundreds of pages. But what I would recommend is trying to shorten them down, condense them down to just the most important items, um, and then really focus on the outputs you're looking for. So if we focus on those outputs and the most important items, establishing a baseline is very much really establishing a view, a shared view of the world that a management team and a contractor client team can follow. Who are the team members that really need to be involved in this process at this stage of the project? Yeah, the team that there's some easily identifiable ones. You need the contractor scheduler and or the scheduling team. You need whoever the owner schedule is and the owner scheduling team. You're going to want the project managers uh, from the GC contractor, and then you're going to want their head superintendents. Um, that's the one that's often missed because those are the people who are actually coordinating the field, the work out in the field. Mm-hmm. And if you miss them, that's the number one way I see schedules just being completely fake. The other team you're going to want to include is whoever the commissioning lead or commissioning program manager is. Uh, that person, you know, has that strategy for how this building is going to be commissioned. And you might be saying, hey, Mike, it's at the very beginning of the project. We don't have detailed design. Why are you bringing commissioning in? Well, because it's the most important part of the project. That's where you go and find out, you know, where the rubber meets the road and the building needs to be turned on and delivered. And if you're not considering that process at the very beginning, you're going to fail. So I, I, those are a couple of the, the individuals I would bring in. I'm sure there's probably some procurement team uh, as well that you could bring in the design team, you know, to show the package delivery and things like that. But if you're at that stage of the process, I mean, if you're trying to go fast, you've probably already purchased most of your long lead items, your gins, you've probably put in some steel orders by then as well too, or at least hopefully, um, you know, those lead times on those things are crazy and you got to hit your roll dates on the steel side. So, um, you know, I don't know if those people would make it in or not, but I think that's probably the, the cast of characters I'd go find. So your pinpoint is something there that I've experienced quite a lot, which is you actually end up doing your long lead procurement in, and a decent amount of office-based ordering work before you actually have an initial baseline established and, and flowed down. And that, to me, whilst whilst the perfect execution of a project is where you've got full design and the um, all of the engineering work completed before you order anything and a shovel hits the ground, we don't live in that world. I've never come across a project myself where that is 100% the case. That means to me that change, which you mentioned earlier, is actually a fundamental thing within the baseline how would you start to pull together a change strategy as part of the baseline management process yeah well what i would say is we should have a whole separate episode and actually dive in to the math behind should you actually complete your design first or should you design in parallel because i have this feeling that if we looked at risk scenarios you probably should just finish your design first because it'll eliminate a ton of risk and it opens a ton of doors and it really changes the game. 
but we'll put a we'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, um, there's different ways to go about tracking change on a baseline. You know, I think if we look at this from a scale point, you can go to one end where you're tracking every single activity and every single piece of information to that activity and saying, hey, I'm going to go back and track to that to the baseline. And then on the other end, you're looking at, hey, I'm just going to track my top 10 owner's milestones. So steel erection, shell complete, you know, uh, permanent power on, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so there's this spectrum of change in which you track. And so on one end, when you do the high level milestones, the systems you set up aren't going to be very complicated. Like you could do that in a, in a spreadsheet and a monthly meeting, you know, Hey, did the milestone change whatever, but you're only going to get so much information out of that and so much capability is going to be unlocked as you can imagine. Now, if you go to the other end, you're going to get all the information in the world, but what you're going to find out is tons of activities are going to change. So, you know, they're going to, Oh, that earlier example of moving North to South. Well, there's strong winds and we ran into a big rock or something. And now we got to go East to West, you know, all of a sudden that entire schedule, huge portions of the activities will change you know, massive variances. Although your milestones and your sub milestones should relatively stay the same. Mm-hmm. So, so when you start looking at that continuum of how you're going to manage the baseline, it's what is the acceptable level of change. And then from that acceptable level of change, how do you then, when it dips below that course, correct in an appropriate manner. So an inappropriate manner would be probably what a lot of people are experiencing or have experienced before where you never ink a baseline or a baseline never gets updated and you run hundreds of days of negative float or negative delay. That's all because you just don't have an appropriate change method. That should never happen on a project. And, and one of the main reasons for it, for people listening out there, is that if you've ever had a negative 136-day delay and it goes to a negative 145 delay, that's pretty hard to see and understand. So then you end up in these situations where these late projects keep on rolling and you're just in a soup of project late delay. Instead of somehow resetting it, restarting and saying, listen, now we're at zero. So I can see that that was a negative eight delay or whatever it is. I'm terrible at math. Um, Look at those strategies to manage change. First, you need to understand what change you're looking for to manage and then what's acceptable or appropriate for you. And what are those escalation paths when change does happen? Because it will. I completely agree. And uh, obviously I was guiding the question for me, establishing a baseline and a baseline management process, they go hand in hand. As part of the baseline management process, you have to have your change management process and policies and procedures in place. Because unless you're on a very, very simple linear project, change is going to happen and you are going to have to course correct at some point. Before we finish, have you got any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, I think if, um, you know, baselines are one of those fairly tricky technical issues that involve a ton of people, typically. I mean, you have these massive baseline workshops and and things like that. So if you're struggling with baselines um, and having issues with it, don't hesitate to reach out and ask. I mean, a couple quick pointers could send you on your way and you have a much easier process going forward. Beautiful. Well, That's been Baseline Management Strategies with myself, Greg Lawton, and Micah. 
This is the Beyond Deadlines podcast. Please let us know if you like this format and let us know if you've got any questions you'd like us to tackle again in the future. Ooh. Questions stop now.